And we are back with another episode of Upward and Onward. Today we are joined by our guest, Anthony Giordano. He is the owner of Anna's Vesuviano. And if you've been around various parts of Rhode Island, maybe smelt some sweet aromas of a beautiful pie, and looked over and saw one man, one truck, and one wood-fired oven, it has been him. Thank you, Anthony, for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, Ali. It's a real pleasure of course. to be here, absolutely. Of course, of course. And thanks for bearing with me as I got used to all this new equipment and the new setup here, but you guys will see us here much more often. With that being said, Anthony, um, I met you, I think, pretty ironically. Prior to meeting you, it was sometime in February, I believe. It was cold, yeah. Cold as hell. Yeah. Oh, my Proclamation, God. Proclamation, right? Yeah, Proclamation. Proclamation, yeah. And prior to that, I was talking to my girlfriend, and as I scrolled on Instagram, I saw the Anna's Vesuviano Instagram account, and I saw these beautiful, beautiful pies, and I was like, okay, I got to try one. And more importantly, I wanted to meet the person behind the oven, meet the person who's making these beautiful pies, and hopefully get them on my podcast. And sure enough, <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, here we are. So I remember pulling up to Proclamation, and seeing the truck and the wood-fired oven, and I was like, no way. There's no way that this is happening. So, of course, as I got out, I introduced myself to you. You were very receptive to meeting us and also potentially jumping on the podcast. So it's awesome that this has happened, and um, thank you so much for being accepting. Yeah, of course. Uh, it was, I would imagine, a little bit of manifestation for you and exactly. a little bit of serendipity. Exactly. You know, um, peppered with some some luck or chance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A little um, bit of luck. But I think that that was our, on both ends, actually, because I believe that, that was our first time there. Oh, really? Oh, it was your first I time think, too? I think, I can't remember specifically, but I believe it was. Yeah, yeah I think you're it's right. a new um, partnership that we have. Okay, it wasn't okay. in 2000. Oh, I see. Good yeah. to know. Really good to know. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for joining. And I think what would be helpful for our viewers is if you can walk us back a little bit sure. and bring us back to maybe your childhood and how your love for cooking and pizza and all that became. Wow. So, you know, uh, I grew up, I grew up about an hour and 10 minutes north of Manhattan uh, in a region called the Hudson Valley. Okay. Um, with their six of us. I have uh, three brothers and two sisters. Nice. Um, my, my parents, specifically my father, is a, you know, a diehard cook. And, is that right? Um, super influenced by uh, Neapolitan cuisine and, mm. and um, the dialects and the culture. And my life growing up was for I don't know you know for me it was normal I and I can only speak from my perspective but you know we weren't raised uh you know my parents weren't just like you're an American you're an American you know (laughs) that's never a thing that happened (laughs) um it was like you are not and it wasn't just like you're Italian it's like you're Mm -hmm. Neapolitan I see that's where we come from that's it like and it was like a very it was like is not strict, but it was enforced. Interesting, you know? yeah. Um, so we had a lot of various foods growing up that really influenced me to move and, and go and cook in Italy when I was around 21, 20. That's right. Um, but at an early age, you know, I, I can remember maybe I was like, and I forget who I was telling this to the other day, but I was like maybe five or six. Okay. I remember a lot of things um, from from my childhood and and. 
in the middle years as well. But uh, specifically when I was a kid, you know, my, my every Friday my father would make pizza. I see. <clears throat> and he didn't make round pizza. Oh, really? He did it in like a sheet tray. Okay. okay. Um, because at that time it really like baking stones yeah. that you put in your oven and all these things were not like it was not normal mm. where we came from and yeah. people weren't making pizza at home like people are making now. It's like one of the most, you know, oh yeah, I, I tried the biggest things in the world. That's right. right. So. Yeah. There also wasn't exposure to, and social media wasn't a thing. That's right. You know, so we had to, uh, he just made pizza the way he liked it. I like and, that. And um, I can remember just like when he was, I was literally like five or six, and he would, he didn't make the dough, he would okay. buy the dough. Okay. Was that cheating? <laughs> Who cares, man? This is delicious. That's you know, fair. It's yeah. Like, um, not everybody's made is was created to make dough. I, that's know? for sure. Yeah. Um, and and especially now when we we want to uh, feed our families, it's mm. just something you buy from the store and it's it's expedited much quicker. But yeah, you know, I remember going up when he would like turn his head and I would go up and I would take a piece of raw dough and I'd eat it. <laughs> oh really? And I would just be like so excited by it and yeah. I was just like, what? This is like the coolest. That's right. You know, thing and it was so exciting every Friday. Also every Friday mm. in school we had pizza. Okay. So, like, I had pizza twice a day on Fridays. Double pizza. Yeah, Double pizza day. Okay. Um, best day of the week. It's a great day, yeah. Um, and, you know, that was a big part and influence of my childhood. Um, and my father was always talking about pizza. You know, I he see. was obsessed with pizza. Yeah. And it was a big it was a big part of what we ate, mm. you know, when I was a kid. It's not like we ate every day, but, yeah. you know, it was everywhere. Okay. Um, especially being in New York and going back and forth in the city. And, yeah. Um, it was just a, it made a major impact on my life. I can tell. I can yeah. tell. And was his influence of his love for pizza from m maybe a grandmother or is that just something that he really just found as something that he could make to provide food for the family and just became a tradition? So pizza in my family is very deep. Um, specifically my, not my, my mother's side. My mother's also Italian, but okay. my father's side specifically because my father's mother, mm. um, who came from immigrant parents from Naples, okay. um, was born in Brooklyn, I believe it was 1903 oh, wow. or four, okay. and, or 02, something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> she's actually the only birth certificate I don't have of the, really? of the immigrants in my family. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she... At, you know, she was a, a hub in the community in Brooklyn. She grew up in what we call now is around the Gravesend, Coney Island mm -hmm. area. Okay. Um, in a more southern Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and at that point in time, there was a, a tremendous amount of uh, Italian immigrants there mm. uh, who had come specifically from the south uh, because of famine and poverty and shortages in food. Mm. Um Mussolini had nothing, absolutely nothing in the, <clears throat> during World War II to do with that. But, yeah, right? No, nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> but there was a huge, not a huge, but there was a movement for pizza that was an, in a microscopic level that eventually sort of snowballed and is, mm. you know, what it is you see now. Yeah. Um, but the origins of American of American style pizza comes from the creator of a place called Tatonos, hmm. um, which um, I don't want anybody to get who starts fact-checking right yeah. now, because what, right now what everyone's going to do is they're going to go oh, to Google, who was the, first, yeah. the Google machine, yep. and they're going to be like, it's Lombardi's, and that's true. Okay. That okay. is true, that the first licensing, and I believe it was 1904, hmm. um, Lombardi's on, Spr on uh, Spring Street, I can't remember, Jesus. Yeah. Um, Close enough, right? <laughs> in, in you know the little Italy area of yeah. New York, um, it, it's the first 
delegated license. I see. Right? Interesting. However, the person who was making the pizzas there's name was Anthony Perro. Okay. And Anthony Perro, um, his nickname was Tatono. Okay. So he was the one making pizzas. And now you mm. could argue with me all day that maybe Lombardi started. I don't really care. Right. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Um, because all these things are so stupid that we're even arguing about that, like, you know. Yeah. You, you don't have to be the CIA to talk about pizza. It's just, like, <laughs> such a very basic thing that feeds people that was, yeah. a, 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 like, a poor person's food. That's right, yeah. Right? Yeah. Very blue collar. Yeah. Um, so in 19... 19- 20, he left Anthony Perro, hmm. whose nickname is Totono. He went with his family in, in Coney Island, and he wanted to open up a pizzeria, but he couldn't speak English. Hmm. And at that time, I don't think a lot of Italians spoke very good English. Yeah. Um, and that is where, in my opinion, and uh, the opinion of another, uh, many other linguistic anthropologists will tell you that code switching started hmm. to be a little more um, prominent in the Italian-American community creating different words and different mm. things from other languages such as Sicilian, Neapolitan, Calabrese, and Pugliese, okay. you know, regions of Italy yeah. where, yeah. you know, you're using um, something from English and something from Italian, Italian yeah. or Neapolitan. Okay. And now you have different words. Even the way that you spell Napolitano, like how I spell it on my on my social media yeah. platform is N-A-P-O-L-I-T-A-N-O. I saw that. And that's not how you spell it yeah. in Italy. Yeah, I and figured. I, yeah. Or I didn't figure that, but I've seen it spelled various ways, so I was curious about that. And if you think about that, and I'll, I'll tell you about Tatona in a moment, but if you think about that, mm-hmm. um, the beauty in that is that in Italian, mm-hmm. I is E, mm-hmm. and E is E. Mm. So how you spell it is Napoletano mm. with an E, okay. because that is linguistically and phonetically is linguistically correct in Italian. Okay. But phonetically, if you think about it from an American person saying I, and it actually means E, yeah. they're going to write an I. That's right. Right? So phonetically, it is what maybe we, when people came, immigrants came here, sort of writing that instead of the other way. Yeah. Um, and you'll also find this in New Haven. Okay. Um, so anyway. Very interesting. Very interesting. My So Anthony Perro wanted to open up a pizzeria because he had just come from Lombardi's and um, obviously, we have many. Uh, we have a very big um, pizza war in New York between Grimaldi's, Giuliano's, yeah. um, Lombardi's, Tatono's, yeah. and all these other places. There's another one in Harlem, 116th Street. We could talk about as well. But yeah. um, you know, at the end of the day, Tatono, Tatono's to me is unequivocally the best. Really? And I'm not being biased. Okay, not, I was going to ask that. No, absolutely not. And yeah. I, I, I'm happy to be fair and honest about everything. What I, in, in terms of like what I think is for me very good and yeah. I, I don't like saying the best yeah. about anything because it is so unbelievably objective I believe it yeah um, in all sorts of food there yeah. is a, there is and for me there's no objectivity and quality mm. because that is something that supersedes anything else that's right which is why yeah so um, that's right he was friends with my grandmother okay. whose name is Anna okay whose name I couldn't pronounce okay you know no one could pronounce yeah. here yeah. is Nanyanella and Say that again, sorry. Nanyanella. Nanyanella. And in Neapolitan, my family's language, it is Anna. Oh, That's okay. what it means. I see. But, like, I'm not going to, from a marketing and from a realistic perspective, like. <laughs> uh, I love that. You're so honest. You know, I love it. Yeah. Uh, you also have to know what you're dealing with. And even if you're, like, I think Providence is one of the most progressive, educated oh, yeah. 
states in the union, but yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about that. Like we yeah. speak, we don't speak this other language. That's right. And I can't expect, I don't want people to be confused That's about right. what we're saying. And I want to be, because it's not just Neapolitan. It is like a, yeah. it is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a evolutionary species that has come to be from two different cultures that, yeah, is an amalgamation of what is now, right? Yeah. So we have Brooklyn, we have Neapolitan, mm. and we have me. Yeah. And, and this is my interpretation of it. That's um, beautiful. So she brought Anthony Perro down to the business the business bureau in downtown Brooklyn, which still is there. And I, I had an LLC there as well. I um, see. Funny enough, um, when I had another business in um, As you should, right? In Brooklyn. Kind of rightfully so. Yeah, that's Absolutely. really tying the whole knot together. Yeah, that's really So she helped him get his business license. Wow. And then he opened in, um, officially I believe it was 1921 or 1922, okay. um, Tatono's off of Avenue uh, X, or Neptune. And um, you can get it right off the F train. It's like a three blocks. Nice. Um, nice. I, I'm going to mark it as one of the places that I have to visit. I think it's only right. Unfortunately, I believe that during COVID, they physically closed. Oh, man. But, um, you know, they do frozen pizza now. Oh, okay. So if you're ever in the market for a $50 pizza. Wow. A $50 <laughs> frozen pizza. Okay. Yeah. You know, I usually just stick to like the $10 range, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm in the same range. Yeah. Wait, so this is side question do you eat frozen pizza i eat all pizza all the pizza. only pizza i don't eat is from like cumberland farms 7-eleven <laughs> and that's just from like a lot of drunken nights yeah of, and having <laughs> thinking i have like some sort of um i don't know cancerous stomach disease right. from eating that that and very well could be it a thing. really was just like 25 beers and a and whole pizza from 7-eleven yeah that may have been sitting out there for a couple hours but that's fine right it doesn't matter um Interesting. Very, very helpful for us to know a little bit about your background and where this love for creating pies and pizzas. Which, which do you call it preferably, pies or pizzas? Does it really matter? Is there a proper term? Um, I'm not. I'm not like uh, a stickler about you know modern terminology of pizza because I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I think something that's more relevant is like how people classify sandwiches, like. Mm. In Philadelphia, you call it a hoagie. Yes. And then, um, I can't remember what I think we call it in New York. We call it like a sub yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And then you have grinders. Grinders. Have, I think grinders more specific to Jersey in here, maybe. Yeah. I'm yeah, not, it is. Yeah, I would um, say. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I call it pizza. Mm, I always okay. call it pizza. I don't say pizza pie. Yeah. Um, but I do believe in the 90s, especially in a Seinfeldian way, that's what, you know, Kramer would refer to as. Yep. Make your own pizza pie. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, I think that got the American culture, but. That's right. So I think this segues really nicely into this next question that I have. And um, from looking at various posts, articles that are from uh, Projo, RI Monthly, things of that nature, uh, even watching your appearance on the <coughs> roadshow, um, I was able to gather that you went to college and you studied archaeologic anthropology. And I wanted to ask, what was your passion for studying that? And also, I can tell that it's had an influence in the way that maybe even you uh, speak when you're you know, speaking to me, but also in some of the things that you've done with curating your own uh, menu and things of that nature. So to begin, how did you begin to dive into archaeologic anthropology? Uh, so... When I was a, there's there's a really quick answer that ended up being reality. But like when I was a kid, yeah, I was obsessed with 
without knowing what it was called archaeology, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think when you're a little boy, you like two things. Yeah. I think they're definitively from a, a, um, a child psychology level sort of um, perspective. Little boys play with, like, and build Legos. Yep. Or they like dinosaurs and cars and shit. Yeah, sure, right. right. And I, I just, like, didn't want to build stuff like Same. that. Yeah. You know, I was just like, I wanted the Velociraptor. I yeah. wanted the Triceratops with the side missing. Because, there you go. You know, like, I thought these things cool. were fascinating. Yeah. Um, and Indiana Jones was my hero. Okay. You know, so I was always just like, I always wanted to be someplace where I was not. I see. And I was so always, I was just so fascinated by what was going on in the world and how things came to be and yep. why they were. And I was, oh, I guess my thing, the biggest, the, the, the answer is I'm overly, overly curious about so many things. Mm -hmm. um, and what ended up happening was I did really, really bad okay. in high school. Like I was the bottom 5% of my class. Okay. Really bad. Um, but, you know, I was also, like, very bored. Yeah. And I have <clears throat> what now people are realizing is, like, all these other forms of, like, a problem with attention. Yeah. But you don't really have a problem with attention. It's just you don't learn in a traditional forum, which I did not. That's right. And that's okay. But that there is. was nobody there to be like, try this. Try My this. parents, you know, we didn't have money to go to, like, the day school down the street where it was like $40,000. Like, you know, if you go to the Wheeler school here or yeah. something, like my parents weren't going to put me in a place like that yeah. Yeah. and couldn't. Yeah. And, you know, that's fine that's also. Totally and fine. you have to, like, figure it out. Of but course, yeah. I didn't figure it out. I just did really bad. Yeah. And I was, I, 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 I what's it called? Like, you know, I had an, uh, a, an aptitude for, okay. like, physical tactile things, okay. right? So, like, art, yeah. creative writing, um, gym. Nice. Um, and those are things that I really liked. Yeah. You know? And anything else, they used to call me the wanderer in, in that school right? because I would just get the hall pass and I would just leave for yeah. like 30 minutes. And you were I was that bored. So bored. And Understandably I was, so, though. You, you know. know. Oh, wow. Well. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> ultimately, I, you know, I had to go to community college. Okay. I went to community college in um, Troy, New York, which is at one time was considered the armpit of New York. <laughs> <laughs> Why? This is disgusting. Okay. Interesting. It's a funky, cool place now. Okay. Which all places That's great. like that happen to of after course. 20 years of, you know. Yeah, all poverty. the hipsters and all the cool people there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. got good bones. Eventually, you're going to find kids in flannel coming to your, you know, your city. So 100%. I did that. I played hockey the first year. Nice. I played hockey all my life. And then I played the first year of college. And then I quit because I just wasn't really into it anymore yeah and i was so i knew that i had to like find something that i was good at or that i liked yeah to do because like there's no there's no there was no like other option for me to be like something else like i just wanted to do something really that i loved and that was fun so i first started doing political science and then mm -hmm. bush won the second term and i was like yeah i'm never doing this again and i stopped reading the newspaper <laughs> that's why so that was like the first year of college or first year and a half and then i found sociology yeah and i i just started getting a's really a's and a's and i was like what huh. the hell's going on and it was like human behavior mm -hmm. and understanding social groups and classes oh, yeah. and 
all these different things yeah. about how the world really worked. That's right. You know, yeah. and I, it was almost like uncovering a lie, mm. you know, mm -hmm. as everything that goes on today and everyone thinks everything is fair and oh, yeah. just yeah, yeah. and equal opportunities. And yeah. now we understand that how unjust these things really are. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to understand what was really going on. So I, um, so I found anthropology. I see. Because sociology is super interesting from a socialist perspective, and it is part of anthropology, but the mm -hmm. tactile part of it, like the physical nature of, you know, archaeology is understanding. Um, it's the study of the hum um, past humans and cultures through All material time. remains. Oh, that's right, because we can only know of the things that actually remain. So that's right. Fair. Yeah, yeah. So... Fair. I had a lot of teachers that really helped me and were super influential in my life um, mm -hmm. that got me to, to the next level, and I did very well with them, and I just was became obsessed, you know? Nice. And, I, and then I was just, like, started reading about where all these things came from. Yeah. You yeah. know? And when I say things, I mean food. Okay. So oh, I wow. found a way to connect through textbooks and, and document PhD journals yeah. and documents from JSTOR and all these different places that, you know, ne what it was a Nexus Lexus when yeah. I was a kid, I don't even remember. Yep. But, you know, the origins of agriculture, the origins of food, the origins of um, transmigrational patterns mm. for different um, fruits and vegetables and grains and how mm. cuisines came to be. Yeah. And that's what was really fascinating to me in my early 20s, and that's what I ended up studying in college, but in a, in a physical way with archaeology. I see. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Thanks for tying that together for us. And I think what would be also really cool for some of our listeners and viewers to hear is something that they might not know, which you actually educated me on. And my understanding of how pizza came about was just that, oh, Italy, the only people who have lived in Italy are Italians, uh, <laughs> <laughs> namely Italians, and they are the ones who had put their hands together and made the dough and made the pizza become what we know it as pizza today. But maybe that isn't exactly true. Would you, in a couple words, or as long as you'd like, really, uh, would you be able to shed some light on maybe what the truth might be behind pizza? So I, I would like to, you know, be clear that I, I do believe that what we know now is pizza was invented in Naples, Italy. Okay. What we see now all over the world. Yep. Um, and we have, through history, a lot of different, um, I like to call them trans transitional species or transitional uh, products that, it's not just through food, right? Like you yeah. can talk about Homo habilis and the mm -hmm. evolution from going from Homo to um, sapien, yep. you know, from, from habilis, erectus, and you have sapiens, and yep. you have all these trans transitional periods in um, the evolution of human history, um, and you don't just have one particular species, right? That's like, right. things are evolving, and there are times and period where those are the hardest things to identify, right? It's mm. like, when yeah. did we stand upright? That's right. When did we invent fire? Yeah. Does this have to do with the correlation and the increased capacity and of Mental. our brain yeah, and yeah. how they grew and therefore were able to, you know, speak. speak. But yeah. then again, you have another argument where it's, this is a smaller one, but mm -hmm. it's, in, I think, in a smaller scientific community is the availability of mushrooms and psilocybin mm. um, and 
there's a few uh, mushroom mushroom geeks that would, oh, yeah. would talk about that this was actually uh, advantageous in terms of expanding. I believe it. I do too. Yeah, um, I believe it. And, and it's fitting. We're in the psychedelic creator studio right now. There so. you go. <laughs> I feel I'm, I'm super happy right now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we have to uh, what I what I do and what I my approach and my belief is that you know being ignorant yeah. is a choice yeah right and i think that a lot of americans and a lot of italians mm. this is not just americans i yeah. think this is a lot of people you know you see pizza mm. naples when i was a kid yeah in naples yeah living in naples yeah my friends wouldn't come visit me people wouldn't come visit me because it was they thought it was so dangerous really which it was quite dangerous but okay. you know you have to know how to act that's fair i'm not going into there's like a very a very well known one of the most well known hoods this is like one of the most dangerous places yeah. in naples called scampia it's okay. it's the projects oh, it's really? absolutely it's super scary really okay for what reasons why is it so scary have you ever seen snowfall i have not okay well have you ever been to, like, actual projects? I mean, I've lived in Rhode Island for most of my life. Uh, if there's any places in Rhode Island that you consider projects, I guess I've been there. Um, I'll come back to that. Okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll go through pictures and stuff. And, yeah. You know, but it's just... It's 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 just desolate, mm. with but desperate, mm. and ridden with drugs mm. and poverty okay. and all these things propagate more violence yeah. and more drugs and more poverty. Oh, that's unfortunate. And um, it's a very scary, scary place to be, but, yeah. you know, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I believe that the pizza that we know now yeah. um, was eventually created in Naples roughly between 16, the 16th and 7th, the late going into the 18th century, let's say, just for... okay. Within a hundred year span between the year of sixteen fifty and seventeen fifty, okay. let's say that. Okay, okay, cool. And the reason I'm saying that, yeah, is because the oldest pizzeria in the world is still exists, hmm. and it's I, the exact date we can look it up. I believe it's seventeen sixty eight. Wow. Okay, it's called Portalba. Okay. They still have the original oven in the back. Really. And it is a. It's like a museum, you know. They yeah. still do pizza. They still do fried food. Wow! And it is right next to one of the oldest streets in Europe called Spacanopoli, which is means the cut. Okay. Or it's like a you know the, it's like the, the spatch of of Naples that is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Okay. Which is something that I'm I I chase all over the world. Really. Um and and look for you know like you nice. have the pyramids are yeah a UNESCO sites and yeah you know, so on and so forth but um that still exists so mm. that for me is like in this moment uh, uh, you know a comparison would be like the Lombardies of Spring Street right okay. and you have that was there things before that there were yeah for sure right? factually I have you know dorky history pizza books that yep. tell you about the original pizzerias that were even 30 years before that I but see. they just what happened was they assigned pizzerias numbers okay okay and a lot of those pizzerias don't exist anymore for copious amounts of reasons yeah but let's say 161760 mm -hmm. right now at some point we have to realize that pizza was not the first form of flatbread that's right right and it has been argued that pita from greece mm. was a 
you know, a subspecies before that. And then, you know, you have the pita from Greece. Okay. Which, Naples is a Greek colony. Mm -hmm. Neapolis means new city. I see. Okay, I didn't know that. And and there are some of the oldest Greek remains in the world there, Mm. especially the archaeological museum. I see. And you can still visit sites there that still have, you know, from the 9th and 8th century Hmm. relics and mosaics. Naples is older than Rome, and I don't okay. think a lot of people realize that. I would never, I did not know that, yeah. I it really is didn't. a tremendous city of chaos and beauty. Is that right? And it scares people. Yeah. Um, but if we're going to go into the argument that the Greeks created a form of pita, sure, mm-hmm. but you have to imagine, right? Like if we're going to, you know, you're going to draw. Yeah. Like, this is the Mediterranean? Yep. you got to imagine that if Italy's here and Greece is here, yep. and this is the Levant, yep. and where we, as we know it, factually, you know, if you believe in science. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which I do. I do, personally, yes. Uh, yeah, joking. Yep. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the creation and grainer of, of wheat and granaries mm-hmm. are from Jordan. Okay. Israel, okay. Syria, and Turkey are the oldest in the world. Interesting. Okay. Where you have the difference between what was going on before that is people were nomadic, mm. right? And they're going and chasing either temperatures or climates. And, yep. you know, they had to go from place to place and they're hunters and gatherers. And yep. the difference in what's going on now is that when you create grainers, it means that you are you are a subsistent culture that relies on the land, that you need to stay there. That's right. Right? So... Those places are the, where you find the highest um, percentages mm. of granaries and the oldest. I see. Okay, I see. It makes sense. So bread and the, the earliest forms of bread were created in these areas and especially then it being cooked with what? You know, like yeah. what are the ovens? Yeah. And it, there were no ovens. That's right. So you how do they make the pizza? So you, you have bread. Imagine, you know, you have a fire yeah this is a fire and then you're putting rocks over it and you have mm. one big rock okay and then it's going for an hour two hours whatever it may be and then you you know somewhere somebody was like oh these seeds these these the germ and the seeds of the o of the wheat mm. is going with water when it maybe it rained and then yeah. all of a sudden it starts to bubble and huh. you're like oh it's fermenting did they know it was fermenting no, no. But they saw something and then they eventually we put it on rocks and yeah it creates a flatbread, mm. right? So what Tasty. I'm saying, <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and and you don't need, because there is natural, there's yeast everywhere. Okay. You know, there's 400 million varieties of yeast. Wow. And when you're talking about that, yeast is in the air where we're speaking right now. You could create a, a sourdough in this room if you wanted to with, really? with wild yeast, but you have to capture it. Okay. And how you capture that is with water and flour. I see. So my sort of hypothesis is that Arabs... And we call them Bedouins, who mm-hmm. are essentially people who are going through the desert, and they were nomadic, um, yeah. were had mixtures, and maybe they were putting it on rocks or however they were cooking it, right? Yep. Um, there's a tremendous amount of Middle Eastern breads and Turkish breads, and mm. you know that are all in this 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 area of the world. Yeah. Um, but to just say that, which also let's be clear, these these civilizations yeah. lived. And were created seven thousand years before oh Greece gosh. even we even knew what Greece was. Yeah. So to give credit to Greece, mm. also the Greek flatbread 
is significantly different than the Arabic flatbread, mm. whereas the Arabic flatbread is puffier. Okay. And it looks more like, so you can get different pitas. For yep. me, the cheap pitas are the ones that you can't cut open and stick something in. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And they're crusty. Okay. The ones that I like are really, really nice Arabic pitas where they're puffy. Okay. And you could cut it open. You get a really nice shawarma sandwich oh, or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. And that, for me, is where it all started. I, I think see. that what I want to do is just give credit to, and historically and, and just factually, to the people that created something that we now use. And it's just like the first pizza was not tomato. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. tomato on top of bread. It was something more like lard or fat. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, with black pepper, which also black pepper. You know, it's... Exotic. Yeah, a lot is. of these things are very exotic. Yeah. And, you know, if you go into, like, the, the article that I sent you, the Luchera, the, the yeah. Muslim colony in Puglia, yeah. which still exists, mm. and they have a bread there called a pucha, mm-hmm. which, to me, looks it's like looks just like pizza. I believe it. You yeah. know, except what you're doing, the difference between pizza and a, and a pita and all these other things is that when you put something on top of it, okay. of a leavened bread, that part does not rise. Okay, Okay, so this is... A leavened bread yeah. just goes like this. Okay. But when you put something in the middle of it, then the crust rises. That's and you right. have a crust. Okay. Right? That to me is what separates pizza yeah. from a lot of other things, especially since it's round. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, so I also believe mm-hmm. so you have a, a tremendous amount. There's a. I, and I can talk about this all day, yeah. but the, the, the bare minimum for me is that I think we have to give some, some sort of credit and homage Definitely. to. Arabs who created and domesticated wheat. Definitely. Um, who created uh, the beginning sort of, um, maybe you would call the first invention of some sort of flatbread. Okay. Right? Obviously, this went all through the Mediterranean. Yep. Um, but I also would give yeah. as much credit mm. to Ameri- the Americas yeah, yeah. for creating pizza. Yeah. Because... The tomato, mm. the most iconic pizza in the world is cheese, margarita. Right. Yep. Right? yep. Tomatoes are not are not a, a staple crop, mm. a crop that was created that originates in Europe. Okay. At all. Okay, that makes sense. And too. I could say that for probably eighty five percent of what you see in Italian cuisine. Yeah. Interesting. All these things do not come from Italy. Interesting. Very interesting. And. The tomato roughly was brought by Spanish in the 15th, maybe a little earlier century okay. to Italy. The Spanish ruled Naples okay. roughly between 13th, a little more centuries. Okay, um, didn't know that. And we were, we were ruled by the French, the Spanish, you huh. know, all these other massive, massive uh, tyrannical... <laughs> <laughs> Body and governments who yeah. have very varying varying ways of living, and mm. um, a lot of them, especially the Spanish, were responsible for taxing the poor mm. and taxing everybody to the point mm. where there was no even bread. Wow! And people were dying at tremendous rates because wow. of impoverished communities. And yeah, that's why Naples was the second. At one point, I believe I could be wrong about this. It's one or the other. I, London and Naples were the most concentrated cities in the like in the world really? or something like that yeah oh, like, wow I didn't know that so it was just densely densely Dense packed. packed which is also why yeah there is the proliferation of disease mm, right I see that makes sense so people were leaving that makes sense anyway yeah. tomato comes yep okay 
then you start creating maybe 150, 200 years later a pizza. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's like you know all these things that we know of that are incredibly popular in our cuisine. When I say our, I mean Neapolitan cuisine. Yep. Um, are from are from the Americas. Mm. You know, peppers. Yeah. Um, tomatoes. Yep. Squash. These yep. are all things that Native Americans used, and yeah. in the south, in, and in South America, you would call them in Native American cuisine the, the Trinity. Okay. Of, um, of cuisine, which okay. Native actual Americans. And now we're not talking about you know, um, anybody else, but people who natively lived natively lived there. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, another example would be corn, which is not a huge yeah thing in in Italy. It's there. Okay. It's just not like as for me as predominant. But yeah, you know, you can talk about all these different crops and staples. Chickpeas. Ch- I actually wrote a list. Yeah, did you? Let's hear it. Citrus, mm. sesame, pine nuts, pistachio, almonds, sugarcane, rice, figs, chickpeas, durum wheat, eggplant, garlic, tomatoes, peppers, squash, spinach are all not from Italy. Wow. They are all crops that come from other parts of the world. Okay. And a majority of these come from the Near East or the Levant mm. or what we would call few of these places as Mesopotamia. Hmm. I see. I see. So... If you go in the south, specifically Sicily up to Puglia, yep. and I would I would encourage if anyone hasn't been to Sicily, yeah. I think you need to go to all the main spots in, in Italy. Okay. I do. Um, and we could talk about that another time. But yeah. if you really want to be culture shocked and blown away, yeah. y- you need to go to Sicily. And why is that? Because you will feel like you are in North Africa. Is that right? Absolutely. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have expected that. Just the entire culture is is predicated on these staples, especially okay. the chickpea, which runs the agrarian economy. Okay. Um, and the diet. Mm-hmm. And people do not look Italian hmm. like you see in the north. Really? Okay? okay. People in the north are, are much... There's You could find blonde people in the north. You could really? find redheads in the north. Oh, wow. People in Sicily are Arabic and black. Is that right? A hundred percent. That's funny. Hey, I told you guys. I told you guys I was Italian. No, <laughs> it, it's still, it's still, you know, anything is possible. Yeah, that's and right. I just uh, also realized that a big thing that, and I'll give you a real world example in terms of where we live. Yeah. Right. Tunisia is one hundred and seventy eight miles mm. from Sicily. Okay. Okay. That's literally. The Large difference between going from Providence, 15, there's a 15 mile difference between yeah. going from Providence to New York City. Yeah. Okay. Now, granted, there was no cars. Yes. 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 And all these things, which it takes us now three hours to drive that amount of time. Yeah. But this is why I believe we have such a massive influence, and in that it's also historically, de- you know, um, it's historically uh, documented mm. about all all these different cultures from North Africa coming through and um, mm-hmm. contributing to. The um, the gastronativism of southern Italy going up mm-hmm. to Naples. Interesting. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's something that I didn't know prior to um, last night, really. And, <laughs> and for a lot of people watching this, I hope that you were able to learn a little bit about the history of not only just Naples, but um, Italian cuisine and 
how what we know pizza today as maybe where some of its origins began. So thank you so much, Anthony. Of course. Um, my next topic and question that I want to dive into is being a stage, a stagiaire, stagiaire, yeah. stagiaire a stagiaire in Naples. Um, how was that? How was that? And what was the motivation and how was your experience? Uh, it was all good. You know, it was yeah. all wonderful. Um, it was incredibly challenging because at the time, like I was learning Italian. Oh, wow. And um, I was also in a part of the world where the Italian that we know now that essentially comes from Dante and Tuscany, it comes from Tuscany and what we call Central Italy, mm-hmm. um, is not the main vernacular in the South. Yeah. And, you know, we speak Neapolitan. Mm. It's another language. Um, it's the second most spoken language in Italy. Okay. Um, and it was interesting because I had to, I was learning, no yeah. one spoke English, um, but I, I essentially set this up to learn how to, you know, deal with crops and to learn how to cook because yeah. I, I reached out to some people. I was like, look, I, I just want to learn like to, to make these dishes that oh, yeah. I was sort of like, I was growing up with these weird things. Like yeah. when I was a kid, we ate pasta a lot and, and okay. especially spaghetti. And then the next day my dad would like mix it and with like, and make an egg omelet with spaghetti. Mm, right. And nice. it's just like, that's interesting. A, oh, it's phenomenal. Well, is it good? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Egg, so spaghetti omelet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to try it. It's it's super good and it's actually it's sold on the streets. Oh wow! In okay. the south, specifically I know that. Campania. That's okay. the region where my family comes from, where I Naples see. is the capital. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, um, gotcha. And I'm happy to go into like understanding regions and provinces as well because yeah, there I'm, are a tremendous amount. I'm pretty curious about that as well. Um, but to give you a quick insight, there are 20 regions in okay. Italy. Okay. And um, each region has a capital. Okay. And each region has more or less. Some have one province, but overall there are roughly 102 provinces mm. within 20 different regions. Okay. So to give you an example, Lazio mm-hmm. is the region okay. where Rome is the capital. Okay. Rome is also a province. Okay. But then, you know, you also have um, Frosinone, mm. um, you have um, Viterbo, and there's five other provinces within the region of Lazio, where okay. Rome is the capital. So okay. my family comes from a, the region of Campania, okay. where the province is Naples, okay. or the, the capital is Naples. Mm-hmm. And there are five provinces within Campania. Okay. So the people here in province, yeah. if you ask them, anybody that is, knows about their history in Italy, of being Italian here, yeah. they will say one of three things. Yeah. They will say, most likely, I would say 90% of the time, Caserta. Yeah which is the second biggest palace in the world after Versailles. I see. Or Napoli, Naples. Yep. Or Salerno. Okay. Okay. And those are three of five provinces within the region of Campania. And yeah. everybody comes from a different region, but they still, a lot of them still, we all still say like we're Neapolitan. Oh, yes. Um, Interesting. But it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of just... It wasn't like a hardcore kitchen. Like okay. I didn't work with like Franco Pepe. Or... <laughs> See, that's what I would expect. I'm like, all right, you're in there. <laughs> like, there's not cameras on, but you're just grinding, and it's intense, and all these things. But um, it's nice to hear that it was 
maybe a little different than that. It was super laid back. It was like, you know, grandmas were there once in a while. Oh, okay, nice, and nice. And there were guests, and, you know, it was okay. quiet, and, okay. you know, you drink one or two bottles of wine a day. A day? A day? <laughs> oh, really? Easily. When do you get started, then, like, drinking wine in, in Italy? It, it, it depends on, uh, you know, if you have the day off, it's, like, probably 10 o'clock in the morning, oh, and wow. then 11 o'clock in the morning, and you oh, have wow. a bottle with lunch, you have a bottle with dinner, and, like... Really? You know, it's hard It's hard to get drunk there. Is that right? For me, it was, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> look, I'm not yeah. talking about liquor. Okay, that's fair. I'm not talking fair. about liquor. That's I'm fair. talking about wine. Okay. So, yeah. look, anywhere, if you drink two, three bottles of wine, you'll be loaded. But yeah. I, I had, at the time when I was drinking, like a very high tolerance, yeah. and um, I could easily drink two bottles of wine. Wow. So, we also got it from, like... The, the girl down the street really? who had a winery wow. and would give you like six gallon jugs and you just have 20 gallons in the fridge and it was like it was That's just, awesome. it was wonderful you know is... eating pasta and pizza and wine all day it's and a great life it was wonderful <laughs> yeah, yeah it's always 100 degrees yeah and... you can't complain much I, I don't think and no. it's not is it dry heat in Italy yeah okay so you're not sweating necessarily it's just it's just yeah it's not humid humid you know but the problem with uh it's not a problem. It's just a cultural preference that yeah. Southern Italians have is that they don't really use air conditioning and they don't believe in it. And I, I think see. that there, I, there is also like a, a – what's that called? <laughs> They're like superstitious about shit. It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> you don't want to say it? It's fine. No, no. It's not okay. that. I can't remember what it is. There's always a story. You know, oh, like, okay. Um, about why they don't use something. Interesting. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just superstitious. Yes. But, yes. That's um, what I picked up as well. I, I had, a, I had, I worked maybe like 45 hours a week, 55 okay. hours a week. Okay. That's no, probably like 50, 60 hours a week actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I didn't have to wear a chef's jacket mm-hmm. and I learned a lot of the classics and yeah. um, when I say classics, there's a lot of things that people don't know here mm-hmm. um, and that we don't eat here yeah. um, also because the, the agriculture is different and, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have the same milk and we don't, you know, there's yeah. a lot more uh, different varieties of food that they eat there that aren't even legal here. So it's, yeah. you know, um, that's what I was interested in. Interesting. And it was learning the language, yeah. learning the culture immensely and yeah. um, living it, you know, just yeah. being part of it. And, and that was like truly, and it still is like the most important thing to me. I believe it. It sounds it. I mean, it's a priceless experience, I imagine. And um, just one, being able to go to Naples and really assimilate and be there as a person who's, you know, uh, contributing to the society there and learning a lot of the cuisine and really uh, enjoying the fruits of, I guess, your labor, which were being able to crack open a bottle of wine at 10 a.m. And, and take <laughs> that a wasn't always, but, okay. you know, yeah, um, that's fair. When I did have the ability to go, you know, I, I went I went into the city a lot and um, yeah. it's maybe like 25 minutes from Naples and okay. I would go in and, I, you know, it's like you can literally, uh, this is, and I, I don't, like to exaggerate when I say a lot of these things yeah. because I, I want to be very, very clear, very honest. Like you can get on the side streets of Naples, there are just little, what we would call like um, bodegas here. Yeah. A bottle of wine is one euro. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow. That's cheaper than water in some places. It, it is. And yeah. that, that's why people were drunk all the time ah, in okay. Europe, I feel, because there was a lot of disease and you mm. couldn't drink the water. So Ah, I see. Makes sense. Wow. So just drink some wine. I mean, hey. <laughs> Not a bad alternative. <laughs> really, really interesting. Cool. So um, we've talked about your experience as somebody who went to Naples and studied as a stagiaire. Uh, we've also talked about you and your childhood, some of your experiences with anthropology. And my next question for you is, when was it in your life, maybe after being a stagiaire in Naples or um, prior to that, that you decided that having something of your own was something that you were interested in and how that became 
on his Vesuviano? I, you know, I always wanted to have a pizzeria since I was a kid. I've always been, um, and you know, I was searching. So you always, I mean, I was, uh, this is just a personal thing, but I was always searching for why and where things came from. And um, obviously, that's why I got into. <clears throat> it's not obvious, but that's the, the you know, transition to why I went to what I did in school. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted a pizzeria. I was always fascinated by it. I was always fascinated by the wood and and you know, not just pressing a button and having an electric <laughs> oven. Which is, don't get me wrong, I, I love that kind of pizza too. Yeah. It's just not really super interesting to me. Yeah, that's um, fair. And it's such a personal choice. I, I, uh, I think the reason it happened was because I developed, especially moving to Rhode Island, um, like was like three years ago, was confidence mm. based on you know when I left when I left Naples, I came back to America. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had an opportunity to work in a kitchen with so my brother is a is a chef. Okay, he's um, huge influence on me cooking, and <clears throat> he's definitely like a huge mentor. So yeah, you know we were always cooking together, and um, from the age of like eighteen, I okay. would help him in little restaurants he was at in Brooklyn and New York, and nice. I was always we were always supporting him. And nice, um, he's like you know chefs, chefs, oh, like executive chef at this place and that place. And, nice, um, so. I started working in restaurants in New York um, from like 22 and I uh, 21 like mm-hmm. hardcore restaurants. Okay. Um, with great chefs and until I was about 28. Yeah. Um, and then I got an opportunity to work privately for people, where, mm. which is essentially like a quarter of the time. Yeah. But five times the amount of money. Oh, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you have a life. That's right. You can do things outside of just work, which is great. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> A, a typical kitchen week is like maybe 75 hours. I've heard. I, I, I don't know about what it's like now. I, I mean, I understand the culture still. Of the kitchen is changing. Yeah. Um, but back then it was like, you know, 75 hours, 95 hours. It's like super normal. Wow. Um, and you're still getting less than minimum wage at that oh, point man. where, wow. you know, you're making $11, $10 an hour yeah. in New York um, yeah. or in like the 2000s. And um, which to me, like I didn't. I want to be honest. Like, yeah. I wasn't thinking about money, and I didn't care that I was getting paid eleven dollars an hour because I was so stoked. I believe it to be cooking with specific people who I now consider mentors nice. and who really helped me develop my confidence in the kitchen. Whereas yeah. I didn't really have that initially, but I had the education. Yeah. Um, and what it comes down to is a lot of things. But when I came here, I was. I think social media played a huge, huge role in it. I'm not a social media person, but yeah. you know, if you were to like be on my Instagram page right now and look at who I follow, yeah. it's just only people that inspire me through food and pizza. Like if yeah. you're some regular guy just like out. making some sort of pizza yeah. at your house, like I don't care. Don't about care. <laughs> I don't. Even so you wouldn't be people, impressed by my pizzas. It's it's just like for me there needs to be a functionality mm. about it that supersedes money mm. in every single way because that's not what this that's is fair. about yeah. um, for me yeah. and never has been. Yeah. Um, and I think it was the moment when I was looking at all these people who were, people were like, this pizza's great, that pizza's mm. great. And it's just like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, this pizza's fucking trash. <laughs> I was like, I've been to all these places, this pizza's yes. trash. And let like, it, let it be said. But like, look, it, pizza's it's, trash. <laughs> it's just, realistically, yeah, you know, I was mad. 
Yeah. And I was upset. Mm. And I was just like, and it's a, such, such a narcissistic mm. ego yeah. thing to, to believe. But it's like, I was like, I've made pizza better than this. Hell yeah. And I was like, I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to do this. Hell I yeah. don't give a shit what anyone says, what Good. anyone does. I, I found a truck. Yeah. A brand new truck in um, Georgia. Okay. I called my friend, my best friend Mo, and I said, who's Palestinian, mm-hmm. that we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah. And I was like, dude, hmm. I'm going to go buy this truck. Hell yeah. In three days. He's like, what? <laughs> he's like, I'll meet you down there. What a great friend. Yeah. That's awesome. So go down, rent a U-Haul. Mm-hmm. He meets me there, get a hotel, go check out the truck. At the time, I had a business called Sunflower Organics, which I started here, which is a product development company. Okay. We do uh, predom- we, we, we did mainly um, um, plant-based foods. Nice. And we have products that are in Whole Foods now that nice. are, um, you know, we don't have, like, royalties on them, unfortunately. Okay, but, okay. You know, yeah, we yeah. did create a lot of wines that are now in Whole Foods. Nice. So <clears throat> we go down. Yeah. And I just like take my card. I'm like, really swiped it. It's like brand new purchase. Good for you. Never driven a trailer in my entire life. Right. It weighs four thousand pounds and it's twenty one feet long. And I'm just like, how do I hitch this? (laughs) Oh man, how do I hitch this? You know what I mean? And luckily, Mo, my friend, is like, he is more of like a man's man, where it's like I don't consider myself that. Like I. Which I'm, I have to learn all these things. Like, I didn't have a drill set. Yep. I don't have a hammer. Yep. You know, all these physical things that, like, men, sure. we, we connect men with. It's like, I feel like I'm not, I wasn't like that. You of know, course. and, like, yeah. to be in business and have a restaurant, no matter if you are a man, woman, frog, doesn't matter Literally. who you are, yeah. you have to learn this stuff. That's true. You true. can't depend on all these other people. So I got a drill set. Yeah. I learned how to drive the trailer. Nice. And so on and so forth. So we yeah. drove it 18 hours back to wow. New York. Parked it at his house. Wow. And I, my dad was just like, you know, you got to also understand. My, huh? No, he was just like. <laughs> you got to understand my dad is like, an, is an 80-year-old man. Okay. Big guy from Brooklyn with a very, you know, he, he doesn't believe in ours. Mm. You know, I make fun of him when he talks about water. Water? You know, all these other oh, things. Yeah. And he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what are his, you doing? That was his reaction. And I was like, what? Whoa, dad. What, dad? Aren't you proud of me? I yeah, drove like this I, thing back here. It's like I like stole like a baby cub yeah, from the no. zoo or something. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to like find a way to milk it or something. Exactly. And it's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's great. And I was like, I'm going to make this work. Yeah. And I had manifested it for so mm-hmm. long, you know, and I there's a very famous place, which is now a physical restaurant okay. in the Oakland, California area called Del Popolo, which means of by the people. Okay. Always ranked top 10 in America okay. in the top 50 list. Okay. And he had a Mack truck that he fabricated with a f- oh, sick oven from yeah. Italy. And it was just like, I remember seeing this 20 years ago, maybe. I was 15 years ago. And huh. it's just him on the truck. Yeah. And he's doing it. I'm just like, that's all I want. That's all you want, right? Freedom. That, and that's what I saw when I met you. But uh, that's amazing. So that was a big inspiration for you to maybe do something similar. Is that is that the case? Absolutely. And I I didn't I wanted to do wood. And my dad actually this is funny, but yeah, <laughs> my dad has a brick oven that when my mother was out of town, yeah, uh, he had well, another good friend of mine, Salim, who's also from Jordan. Yep. 
another kid I grew up with. Yep. And he builds these ovens. Hmm. And he built my oven. However, okay. he built the one for my dad. Okay. And my mom came home and was like connected to the house and she's like, What what the hell is this? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> and he loves it. And then yeah. Mo has one. Okay. Who Salim also built them. Salim built mine. Okay. And I just I had all these pieces of the puzzle where I was just like I had the experience and I knew how to do all these things. I knew how to play with fire. Yeah. What expert? No, I don't know if I'll ever be an expert at playing with fire. I believe it. But it, it, it's um, I wanted to do something that I truly believed in and that I thought I just authentically I just followed my gut. Good. And I I was I don't I think I think the first year I was not super smart about it, mm-hmm. which I think you have to like mess up and fail a lot to really understand your PNL and the, the, the progression into your second year, which. June will be a f- our f- the culmination of our first year. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, but there's only one way for me to make pizza, and that's with wood. Yeah. You know, is that right? I, there's a guy in New York who I've been my idol since I was a kid. Okay. Um, I've been going to his places since I was maybe 16 or 17. Okay. His name is Anthony Mangieri. Okay. He has the most famous pizzeria in the world right now. Really? That just got ranked top 50 in the world. It ranked number one Whoa. in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which my brother and I lived for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was around the corner from our house. What's it called? Una Pizza Napoletana, which just okay. means like a Neapolitan pizza. Okay. Personally, I think it's a terrible name. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, a ter- it's such a generic term. But generic. that's what he wanted, is something generic. And like, I don't really care. Yeah. But, I remember going there, and he was just such a, oh, my God, he was just so obsessed with everything, every yeah. little ingredient. And hmm. this is the first year that, and you'll never, I don't know if you'll ever see this again, but okay. um, if you look up mm-hmm. top uh, pizza top 50 in the world, yep, and you do the classification of literally top 50, not America, not in the world. Europe, it's top 50 in the world. There is um, Francesco Martucci, who owns I Massinelli. Yep, yep. And you have next to him is Anthony Mangieri with Una Pizza Napoletana. That's so right. you have the bet who I've been to Francesco's place in Caserta yep. with uh, my fiance mm-hmm. and um, went there two years ago. Yep. And they got number one the day after we, you know, the day, be- the day after we got there. Like, really? So the day before we got, sorry, the day before we got there, they got ranked number one. Wow. And he's a he's an absolute badass. Yeah, he's a total badass, and I love That's his awesome. style. He's got these big black glasses. He's Hell tattooed. Yeah. He's a big boy. Oh, yeah. You know, he's like yeah. You know, he, he eats what he makes. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> I trust him then. <laughs> so, I remember seeing that, and being like, "Fuck, man, this is so this is so awesome." And yeah. I, you know, I hunt I hunt restaurants and, and specifically pizzerias all over the world. I it's believe not it. just Italy. You know, it's nice. really not. Nice. Um, so, this year when they came out, mm. the awards came out, and it's like. This is Francesco, mm. and then this is a guy from America. Yeah, like, and it's like there's no number one, number two. It's they are number one. Wow. And I believe what's what's happening now is there's a huge, there's a huge um, change and movement going on also in Naples with mm. young people. It's not the old people; it's the young people because mm. the old people are, I don't want to say burdened by tradition, but they are, and and. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, and that's yeah. where everything comes from. Yeah. You need to have that, and you lose your culture without that. But you also right. need people to be on the forefront of prog- progression. That's right. right, and in terms of like creating something that is also equally as beautiful, but maybe quasi new. Yeah, and you know, you have people using higher hydrations mm. with pizza now, and they're doing all these different techniques with with bread yeah. and pizza. And um, I believe in the next 
five to ten years, you're going to be having a lot more people from Ameri- from Italy yeah. coming to America to try pizza here because mm. we don't. It's a it's a blessing and it's a curse. Yeah. Okay. Um, we don't have okay. the the same standards as Europe. Mm. We don't have the same laws for yeah. food, um, and that is a good thing and it's a bad thing. Yeah. It's a good thing because we can interpret anything. Yeah. True. But most of that is trash. I believe it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you need to hold on to some element of tradition. And you have to understand tradition yeah. to be progressive. Yeah. You can't just have somebody who has never cooked or anything, oh, yeah. and now they're on YouTube, and they're like, I'm a pizza celebrity <laughs> because you're now on YouTube. For on me, YouTube. that means nothing, and you're no one to me. I love that. You, you have to understand tradition. You have to yeah. understand where these things came from. True. And if you don't, then you can't, you're not an artist. That's right. All artists know they respect the classics. Yeah. Everything that they do is because it is burdened by the classics and tradition, which is the only way you can move forward is by understanding the past. That's right. So what's going on now is, is you have people here who actually make really good pizza. Yeah. Like arguably the difference between Naples and here is that it's like if you go any place where something was created. Okay. Right? If you're going to go to New Orleans, you're probably going to find some of the best gumbo in the world. Right. And in my opinion, New Orleans is a top three, four food city in the in, 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 the in America. Okay. In America. In America. In America. No okay. question. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorites, and really? for a long time, it was my number one. Really. Absolutely. Interesting. But like, when you get to the source, yep. Right. You have the most pure form of something, and then you probably have a lot more. So like, you have something like ten thousand pizza makers in Naples. Yep. Uh, or the or the region of Campania. Yep. And you have a tremendous amount of pizzerias and. Just because of the numbers, you have a lot of good ones. Yeah, right? true, And true. it's very easy to find good pizza yeah. in Naples. Fair. And now I think that's becoming even more true in America. Yeah. And it's not really the case for New York as much as it is in other cities. Mm. Like, there's a lot of good pizza in New York. And I think that there's a lot of people who would... Um, maybe a few people that I don't particularly like that say the opposite. But I also mm. think that they're quite um, privileged and uneducated about... Mm culture yeah um i believe that philadelphia new yeah. jersey chicago mm-hmm. and hopefully in the next five years providence yeah um will be on the four you know have more and better pizzeria options yeah than what we have now yeah um and we have the availability of all these different flowers that we can mm. use that they don't use in italy because everything is supported by like a lobbying group i call oh, it wow. it's called the vera pizza napoletana okay which is like the group that is like, if you, oh. if the pizza is not 12.89 inches, oh, yeah. and you don't use this mozzarella from Agerola yeah. and the tomatoes from San Marzano, mm. this is not a pizza. Holy well. Okay, you know, well then, I guess you can't, we don't have that here. No room for, yeah, <laughs> diversion there. But quality is not relegated to culture. Yeah. True. Or, you know, there are geographical zones that are better than others, but yeah. like, you know, the reason why tomatoes are so good in, in the San Marzano Valley is because it's they grow in volcanic soil. Mm. There's very, very low rainfall. Interesting. Which allows for the concentration of sugar because it's so hot. I see. And, you know, an average day is like probably in the summer is like 95 to 100 degrees. Okay. And what happens is you concentrate these sugars without putting any more water into the soil, mm-hmm. and you have this very sweet – From it's called the um, – I forget the 
uh, this this scale. I have yep. your backs or something like that. Yep. From one to ten, it's a ten. Wow. Sweetness. Interesting. And you could say the same thing for wine. Yeah. Right. That it's makes the concentration sense. Concentration of sugar based on the exposure to makes natural sense. sunlight and heat. Mm. Um, so that's why they're so um, sought that's, after. And yeah. you know, you're getting. It's like, at what point does this stop? Where I'm gonna, I'm paying fourteen dollars <laughs> for like a can of tomatoes oh from Italy God. that's this big. That's ridiculous. And it's like, why are you even making pizza? What's the point? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that. For me, it's you have to be able to um, accept that you have really good produce in your area yeah, or somewhere close to you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing some of what made you inspired to begin Honest Vesuviano and some of the uh, things that many people don't know. Um, with that being said, have there been any chefs that have inspired you uh, in your life? And if so, can you give us some insight into who those are? Yeah, um, there's there's a, f- a couple. Um, so someone, there are two people just off the top I had that um, in the past, like one would be when I was cooking in New York and another just through my travels. But um, uh, Brian Lockwood um, from 11 Madison Park just absolutely... changed my life and how I saw food mm. and I remember just like we have these big books at the restaurant and they're just like 3,455 grams oh, exactly is that right and then I'm making a vinaigrette and he tries it and he's just like this is shit man what and I was like yeah chef yeah chef yes yeah, yeah, chef. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like also it's like Jeez. I'm like but look yeah what the hell I it says it right here and yeah. he's like I don't care uh. it's like every lemon has a different Acidity. Every lemon uh-huh. has a different pH of this. Every lemon has more water content than other one. Every lemon has mm. is. You're not getting lemons from America. You're yeah. getting them from other parts of South America, as we are right now, because there's no climate for these. This right now, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's like, at the end of the day, it just has to taste right and has to taste mm. good. Mm. You have to be able to decipher that and differentiate that based on your palate mm. and understanding the structure of how acid, sweet, and salty affects your tongue. Mm. Very interesting. And. That was like super mind opening for me because I'm at this restaurant that people are just like very highly regarded, and I'm like, "This is like this is rad." Yeah, this, this is, guy, this guy's this like is, he he's knows. on one, dude. Yeah, he, because you're talking about a place that eventually went on to be the number one restaurant in the world. Wow! And in 2017 or 18, and he's like, oh, "Fuck all that." Wow! This is what it is. I love that. Just make sure it's delicious. Just make sure it's delicious. Right. right we yeah. don't need to focus on all these micro details you they all listen they matter important, right yeah, yeah but in the end it needs to be delicious it does <laughs> end of story it's true it's true huh. mexico city in my opinion is the gastronomic capital of the world right now okay um i have not been to oaxaca which mm-hmm. i it's in my top five okay um amongst other places in the middle east and africa okay um but i can only speak from experience but there's a woman named Elena Regada, okay. and she owns, she has an empire there, okay. um, and she has a place, funny enough, I, I was kind of shitting on it initially, because I yeah. didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. It's called Rosetta. Okay. And it's like, imagine, you know, a 17th century house walking down a, like a shady, <laughs> beautiful street in Charleston or Savannah, Georgia, Yeah. but you're in, I believe it was in Condessa, the neighborhood, I can't remember, mm-hmm. and it's like three floors, and mm-hmm. it's like someone's home. 
Is it? All wood floors, Interesting. like three, 400 years old. It was absolutely beautiful. Interesting, yeah. Initially, my fiance, Sophia, was telling me like, okay, so my friend yeah. gave me this recommendation Gotta try. about an Italian restaurant in Mexico City. And I told him essentially, you know, yeah. absolutely not. Wow. Just by sheer coincidence, one night we were reading about this place, Rosetta, because we didn't have a reservation anywhere. Yep. And we go there, and it was this place. Huh. And she is doing Italian food in Mexico City. Okay. Like, she will do a stuffed pasta, but with an epizote broth. Mm. And with fresh, like, an heirloom corn or maize. Nice. Inside the tortelloni. Or That's really cool. And I just remember eating there and just being like... This is so insane to me. Yeah, but... And there was one dish that I had there, and it was just like... It was called a fresh corn tamal. Okay. It was not... It was... They, they do cook it in a, in a leaf, but they don't serve it with the leaf like okay. you traditionally get. Yep. And it's just a white tamal. Yeah. Like super... Like almost like, a, it was like opaque or something. Interesting. Interesting. And it's just on the plate, and mm-hmm. it's with smoked celery and brown butter okay. and it was utter minimalism I remember eating it and just being like this is this is the best plate of food I've ever had in my life wow Mexico it, City Mexico City Italian food it's it's you know it's it's uh, what, <laughs> I, hate, I hate using the word fusion <laughs> but she also you know what I, I didn't realize before I went there is that she trained with Giorgio Locatelli in England at La, Con- La, La Locanda okay. one of the most infamous Michelin star restaurants Okay. In, in the world, huh. this guy from Genoa and or from the north, and it's just like, wow, wow, is right. It was wow, you know. You're okay. just like even the dessert, yeah. You know, it was just absolutely mm. mind mind blowing. And then the next day, I went to her bakery. Oh wow, the panaderia, and it was like classic concepts of pastry from France, yeah. but like Italy and Mexico City and Turkey and Austria, they all have like a different, yeah. A different way of approaching these same desserts, and they also have their own. Okay, but like you know, you're getting a cardamom infused pastry from or, or croissant. Yeah, a cardamom cream. Huh. I've in, never had that. <laughs> in uh, or chamomile or hmm. or any of these I things mean, in, would... in Mexico City, and it was just like wow. We also went to like you know a lot of the t- so at that time two of the top ten in the world were there mm-hmm. we went there and it was like mind blowing yeah and, you know, you're just like oh my god a lot of these people are on like uh, chef's table but, I believe it okay you know it was just like one of those times where you're like I think people are so unbelievably unaware yeah of what Mexican food really is yeah yeah and it goes back to being like selectively ignorant mm. and not going outside of your comfort zone yeah. and now we are to just sum everything up is like I just believe that Stop, like, you need to be safe in wherever you're going. Yeah. But stop micromanaging everything that you do about your trip to create the experience that you've never had to try to have something That's that right. you've never had. That's right. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah I you, do. You're never, no one's experiencing life anymore. No one is, I agree. is present. <laughs> I agree. It's like, you're you're looking at Yelp for the safest oh, yeah. zones, yep. the best hotels. Oh, yeah. It's like everything is white lotus. Yeah, it's just walk down the narrow path. Yeah, don't, don't veer off too far because you might try something new that you might love but th- I mean I think wh- exactly like what you're saying uh, it's the most important path. thing it's yeah. the most important thing for me and um, it's the only way that you can get a truly authentic experience mm. and a truly authentic opinion yeah. 
yeah. of that experience without anybody else. Like I don't read review. That's good. I, I don't like read that. reviews about places. That's great. I don't, I've never read a review. If I don't even know if there are reviews about Anna's. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, really. I, mean, I don't know either. I but don't I, care. I'll give you my review. It was fantastic. <laughs> the Pizza Bianca was phenomenal. I can't wait to come back and have another. So if you guys are listening uh, and you're in Rhode Island, please, please, please seek out Anna's Vesuviano on Instagram. I'll, I'll post it here. But also, more importantly, follow them for where they'll be on the weekends. You don't want to miss out. Thank you, Anthony. Um, that's really cool to hear about some of the chefs that have inspired you. I think now we can do a little closing. And I think for people who are out there and listening and they're saying to themselves, wow, Anthony is a super cool guy. Uh, I really like what he's doing. I think when I see these pizzas on the, his Instagram or even a pizza that I've had, I loved it. I maybe want to start my own mobile wood-fired pizza truck business uh what's some advice that you'd give to someone who's thinking that uh so i'm not i'm simply saying this because i'm a realist okay um i've worked in every sector from the lowest of the low as a dishwasher yeah uh to the highest level of cuisine in the world yeah and i can assure you that working with open fire is unequivocally the hardest thing you will ever experience in your life. Okay. You are not working with fire. You are dancing around something that is working with you. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Like, there is a general understanding, and if you have never done it, you should never Don't open you. up a wood-fired pizzeria. Okay. Now, going on that, yeah. I don't want you to quit. Mm. And not, if that's something that you want as a dream, yeah. my advice to you, because we are now in a realm where you can access Anybody. That's right. When I was working in Italy, there was no such thing as social media. There was no, there was no, there was no like, you couldn't just, oh, I'm going to tap in uh, this pizzeria and just follow my phone. That's right. My friends and I, who, my friend Roger, who was with me the first time we were doing all the pizza tours in Italy. Okay. Sheer luck we found this shit. Really? Like, we had a map, a physical map. This is 20 years ago. Wow. Now you could just go anywhere. You know about all these things. Oh, yeah. And it's so normal. The, the, and, my advice would be to email every single person that you look at okay. who is working with fire and ask if you can stage there for mm. a week, a month, whatever it is. Yeah. Say, I will do anything. Mm. And if, because that will determine if it's really what you want to do because Fair. most people, I believe, are full of shit. Oh, I believe it, yeah. And yeah. 99% of the people that are out here are trying to make pizza. Yeah. Now, look, I could fail tomorrow. I could fail this year. Yeah, Maybe Ennis right. is open next year. This is not about me. This is about the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm having fun every day. I believe it. Right? Yeah. And it's like, this is the hardest thing you could possibly do. Do I have hardships and like of course. problems and stress every day? Yes, but that's a part of it. And you have to feel, you have to, but you have to get there first. True. And if you've never worked with fire and you've never made pizza, like cooking in an uni oven is not working with fire. Yeah, no, that's it's not. not. It's not. I have one. You know, it's super fun. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's cool. I think it's an incredible invention. Yeah. But you will never, yeah. ever, if you've never worked with wood, you will fail. Oh, I believe it. And if, if you don't love it and yeah. you're not obsessed with it, yeah. it's never going to happen. My advice would be to go and work in a pizzeria for at least bare minimum two years with fire okay. before you open something of your own. Okay. Because you cannot have that and develop confidence in something that you have no experience in. True. Very true. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Uh, that was amazing. I think this has been my... I don't want to say this out loud, but this has been one of my favorite episodes so far. And I'm so looking forward to the having you back on because I think there's some things on my list that I didn't get to check off and maybe some things on your list that we didn't get to speak about but uh, Anthony will be back 
this was a banger. Um, if you guys enjoyed this, give it a like, give it a thumbs up. More importantly, go over to the Anna's Vesuviano Instagram. And like I said, please seek them out because you need to try the pizza that Anthony makes. I think when I had it myself, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it looked great. I knew it was beautiful. But once I tasted it, I immediately said it's the best pizza I've ever had in my life. And I can say that wholeheartedly, right hand up to God. My girlfriend also heard me say it. I think she feels the same way. Um, but please, it's getting warmer out there. He's going to be around. That pizza's going to be out there. And I know you want some. So I'll see you guys on the next one. Anthony, thank you so much. This was great. I'd like to say, uh, avanti e verso l'alto. What does that mean? Onward and upward. Oh, <laughs> no way. Let's go. All right. We've heard on onward and upward in Latin, but now Excelsior. we've heard... Excelsior, right? Mm -hmm. And so we could do Spanish too. Adelante, arriba. Uh, adelante, hacia arriba. Let's just keep it going. You got anything else? I don't speak any more languages oh, than that. Man. <laughs> Come on, Anthony. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm learning Neapolitan. Next time, there'll be another way to say upward and onward that we'll all learn together. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.